I'm Coach Jake, and I've been gone for a couple weeks, but you guys have been really blessed. Amy V did an excellent job a couple weeks ago talking about God's blessed us, and we could be a blessing to others. And then Mark, really on super short notice, really gave us a blessing last week, opening up to us. And it's pretty amazing. If you've gotten to know Mark, like Mark's this very mature, capable person, right? And for him to share with us just the way that Maywood's rallied around and helped him through this hard time, like, it's beautiful, right? Like, those moments where we see, like, this is what Jesus wants us to be as a church, right? Like, really helping each other. Uh, so, so God knew what he was doing, even if I had to be sick for some of it and stuff like that. Like, God is blessing us, right? And I'm excited to talk to you today. Today, I knew you we were gonna face some crazy weather to get here. And you guys watching online, thank you for watching online. And you guys in the room, thank you for showing up. Um, it's insane outside, right? It's like negative eight or something. Uh, but we're gonna keep the intensity going today with the sermon. I'm gonna challenge you guys. And uh, you guys showed up, and so I'm gonna show up for you. And the reason it was worth showing up today isn't for, to hear Jake Taylor, it's because we believe what we were just singing about. Jesus is worthy. And if we bring our heart to this moment right now, like Jesus is going to show up. I trust that. So let's pray. Jesus, we don't deserve you, but we believe by your grace that you're here right now. We're open to you, Jesus. Come and reveal yourself to us. Save us and be our Lord. Show us the right next thing to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So it's kind of the beginning of the year. I mean, we're a few weeks in almost, it feels like now. Um, but I wanna talk to you about where Maywood is headed next. And we got this first picture of some people kind of crowding around a map and trying to figure out their destination. And I wanna tell you just a little bit of where Maywood's headed. Because we've changed our Wednesday nights a lot. And Sunday morning, you might not have noticed, but it's actually a lot more coordinated than it used to be between Sunday school and the sermons. And things are planned out because we've got a particular direction we're trying to get to. And that's this next slide is a little phrase here. So becoming the fullness of Jesus together. It's a lot of syllables and a few words. But can you see that with me? Becoming the fullness of Jesus together. So it's kind of four parts there. Becoming the fullness of Jesus together. So there's four seasons in a year here in Missouri. We know that, right? I mean, spring and fall feel short, right? But we know uh, there's four seasons. We're going to start talking about becoming here in this first quarter of the year. And then we're going to talk about fullness and we're going to talk about Jesus and talk about together. But why are we going to talk about all that? Well, super small on that little Maywood logo are two passages from the Bible, Matthew 28 and Ephesians 4. And here in Maywood, we've been trying for years to be obedient to those two things because if we get those two things right, I believe everything else is gonna fall into place. Like This is what Jesus has told us to focus on. But if I went around with a mic today and said like, well, how, what are those passages about? Are we doing it? There'd be a, a lot of different answers and some of us would just be like, I, I don't even know, right? I don't know what those passages are about. If I had to boil them to a single sentence for me, what it would be this sentence, becoming the fullness of Jesus together. And I want to just pull back a little bit of what that could be, right? 
if you've tried to really do the right thing in your life, then one thing you've learned is that you can't fully trust yourself. Like if you really try, you realize like, huh, like I was really trying and I didn't get there. I mean, if you've never tried, you don't even know, right? But if you've tried, you know like, huh, like I was really trying to be honest and I couldn't, or I was really trying to be good and I couldn't, whatever it might be. You're not alone in that. Everybody in this room, everybody in independence, we're, we can't make it on our own to be in the man or the woman that we should be. And we need to change. Like, we need to become someone different, right? So becoming peace is like, what if Christ could make you into the man or the woman that he had in mind when he made you? Somebody that doesn't need to have any shame. Somebody who's not afraid of their anger, but doesn't have any regret when they get angry because they have self-control. Somebody who's not so serious, they can't have joy and smile and a good time, right? Somebody who is able to host other people and really look at them and listen to what they say rather than just waiting to talk again, right? I mean, there's all sorts of stuff we could get into, right? But when we get the fullness of Jesus, when you read the Gospels, you start to see that when Jesus shows up, like things change. Blind people get healed. People that have been addicted or stuck in spots for their whole lives get set free. But a whole bunch of injustice gets shooken up. Things change, right? In a way that they don't normally change, right? We think about being the fullness of Jesus. We haven't seen it, but if you'll read the Gospels, you'll realize like, Jesus does the most beautiful things that anybody has ever done, the most courageous things that anybody's ever done, the most applaudable things, right? We all saw Patrick Mahomes get like super upset this season, and we're like, ooh, that's a different side, right? That we hadn't seen him handle that many dropped balls, right? And it, it was tough on him, right? Like no judgment on him. If you've seen me play sports my whole life, I've done some shameful yelling without all the success, right? You know, but like, Jesus went through hard things, and if you saw Jesus go through something hard, you would just respect him more. Like, there's never a hard thing Jesus went through that if you didn't get to see him every second of it, you wouldn't respect him more at the end of it. Like, that's pretty nuts, right? The together one sounds really good for a second, but if you work at it, it starts to feel scary, or maybe like you don't even want it. Right, like, because it always feels good to be like, let's have a whole crowd of people and all root for the same thing, right? Like, if it's just if it's just for a few hours in a sporting event or something, it's really fun to all be on the same side. But if you've ever had the chance to go from like being real friendly acquaintances with somebody to being roommates with them, like you know, like oh, it's a lot more intense when when I know whether you brushed your teeth this morning or not, or we're sharing dishes or whatever, right? You know, like it's a lot. The together thing when you bring a group of people that didn't choose each other, but all said, like, I need help, when you bring those people into a room, there's going to be some painful moments, right? Like, hurt people do hurt people. Just because you walked into Maywood doesn't mean you started treating everybody perfect, right? Like, we're going to fail ourselves, but we're going to fail each other, too. And if we're going to stick together, it's going to be hard at times, right? So this one, it sounds like a lot of syllables at first, and then it sounds pretty then it sounds like 
super hard and challenging, right? But I believe this is what Jesus wants for us and things that are impossible for us to pull off are possible for God. That if we will be obedient to Jesus and say, we'll do church your way, we'll do our lives your way, that Jesus will transform us together. I think if you go on your own and say, like, I'm gonna get totally right by myself, I don't think that's Jesus' plan. I think he wants to bump us up against a bunch of other not perfect people and work on us together, right? Like some of the struggle of being together is part of how he fixes us, right? So that's where we're headed as a church, but what about this quarter? What are we talking about this quarter? We're focusing on becoming, and we go to this next slide. Becoming, we're gonna look at this each first quarter for the next several years, but this year we're talking about becoming is belief, is trust that leads to new life. I know it's lame to repeat stuff, but we're gonna do it just to help it like sink in a little bit, right? So let's repeat it here. Belief is trust that leads to new life. If you really believe something that's important, like the stuff Jesus says is important, if you really believe it, you, you act different at the end of it. Because you, and why do you act different? It's because you trust something's true. You know, if, if you think something's true about Japan, but you're never gonna visit there, like it doesn't really affect your life, right? But we all thought like the weather report was true when we came here today, and you dressed differently than if it was July, right? Because you trusted, and it was gonna affect you, right? It was right here and now. If we really believe the stuff Jesus says about himself, it's gonna lead us to a whole new way of living. And when you look at yourself and you think like, oh no, I believe about Jesus. Well, if it's not changing the way you live, it's not probably the type of belief that like the Gospel of John talks about. Like John, when he's talking about belief, he's talking about like trusting and obeying and believing. It's kind of all intertwined. Like there's not, it's not real clear to split them apart. Okay, so stick with me here a little bit more. I just mentioned the Gospel of John. Why did I bring that up? Well, I'm gonna, here's a flash from you've seen for a long time at May with this next slide. We've been in the Gospel of John for a long time, but we took a break the last few months. But we've been in it for like a year and a half, going verse by verse through the Gospel of John. Here's this slide. We're going to start seeing it again because this quarter we're going to wrap up the Gospel of John because the end of the book of John is going to give us some great truth about Jesus to trust, to believe in, it's gonna lead us somewhere new. But John as a whole gospel, here's his like summary statement. He wrote the gospel that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that means Savior, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, right? It fits pretty well with what we're talking about this quarter. That what we think about Jesus, what we trust about Jesus, it's gonna give us a new life, right? So if you ha weren't here like three months ago, you're like, well, Jake, I missed like 19 chapters and like a year and a half of sermons. Like, so today, I said we're gonna have kind of an intense day. Today we're gonna to do an overview of the Gospel of John, like John 1 through the very beginning of John chapter 20. And that might feel like, that's insane. What are we gonna do? I don't wanna be here until like seven o'clock tonight. We won't be, we're gonna get out at noon we're gonna take a different approach. There's 19 chapters there, and we can't cover everything that we covered. So we're gonna come at the Gospel of John 
And what I would say is the way that the gospel got planted deepest inside of me. For things that really change our lives, a lot of times there's a person behind that stuff that changes us. And for me, the Gospel of John became really significant to me about 22 years ago. A man named Joey Butler got to mentor me in it, teach me in it, and a lot of what Joey taught me, if you've hung around me closely at Maywood, like a lot of it is his stuff that I'm teaching to you guys. And so today, we're gonna go through the Gospel of John in a very quick way, the way that Joey took me through it when I was 16 in a few months. And I'm gonna give you kind of like, here's the two ways he taught it to me. And we're gonna see Jesus kind of through the lens of Joey's teaching. So are you guys up for that today? Okay, so uh, here we go. Here's a picture I think of me and Joey. Is that our next slide? I'm a little off, yeah. So that's Joey and I, I wasn't 16 in this picture, even though up until, maybe here recently, I've looked 16 since I was like 20, right? Like prior to that, I looked even younger, but uh, I'm, I don't know exactly how old I'm in this. I think this was when Grinky was about to win the Cy Young. We're at a Royals game, Joey and I. But here's the things, ways that, G, that Joey taught me about the Gospel of John. One of them is actually a Sunday school class that I encourage our Sunday school teachers to do this year. Wayne took the challenge. And if we go to this next slide here, Wayne teaching John the way Joey taught it to me when I was 16. So that class that meets upstairs, you can join in. They're just doing chapters three and four this week. But they're reading two chapters a week. But you read those chapters over and over throughout the week. So you read chapter one a few times, you read chapter two a few times, then you get together and talk about it. And if you've read the Bible a little bit, like maybe you read a chapter a day and you kind of read through, and the first time you're reading stuff, you're getting a lot out of it, but now you're starting to come up dry. Like this is a great method to push deeper into the Bible. Because when you read the same chapter once, you learn something about it. When you read it a second time, if you're like me, you don't learn anything and it's a little boring. And then when you read it a third time, you're like, I didn't even notice that thing, right? And as you push to just read it over and over, you start to get it into your brain in a deeper way. You start to think about it in your heart in a deeper way. So it's this real simple idea here what I'm gonna tell you though is that like I did that when I was 16 and like it changed the way I read the Bible and it changed my understanding of Jesus. If we're here today and we sing songs of like, Jesus, I love you, you're worthy of adoration and then we hear a way to get closer to Jesus and we're like, yeah, that sounds like a little bit of work. It's kind of like, well, do you really believe all that stuff we say? Like, so it's pretty simple. This is not a guilt trip time. There's other ways to get to know Jesus. But if you're here today and you're like, I'm hungry and I don't know where to get my next meal at, like here's a way to do it. Like read John 3 and John 4 over and over this week and then come to Wayne's class and have a discussion about it, right? It's at 9.45 next Sunday. So that was one way, thing Joey did. The next thing we're gonna zero in closer is gonna have something for us here today. So this next slide is where we're gonna camp out most of the sermon. Joey's had his memorized verses from the Gospel of John. And up until that point in my life when I had memorized a verse from the Bible, I had memorized it and I had kind of treated it like spelling tests when you're a little kid. Like you, you memorize stuff and then you forget it all so you can memorize the next thing, right? And there's like one slot in your brain for spelling tests, right? You just keep subbing out the stuff that's in there, right? That's how I grew up to be a terrible speller. Um, but... Joey challenged me to like memorize stuff and keep it memorized, which was a whole different animal. 
And he challenged me to do that by uh, approach maybe some of you have seen me do of like inviting me into a group, telling me that he knew I could do it, and then asking me to do it in front of other people often. <laughs> you know, there's a very big like, uh-oh, I better actually have this stuff memorized because I'm going to be put on a spot often. So maybe you've seen me do that to other people. You can blame Joey for that because uh, it works. What I realized is like, well, I started memorizing it and keeping it. Now, here's what I'll tell you. These verses that he picked, they're all I am statements from Jesus. Jesus throughout John tells us who he is. And Jesus, being the greatest person who's ever lived, being God himself, existing from all eternity, as you might imagine, like his statements about himself, they give you a lot to ponder. Like it's not just like, oh, you learn it once and you know all there is to know, right? I can tell you, like I've had these memorized in a 16, not that this is a lot of verses, but I can tell you by saying them over and over and over and over for 22 years, like it's not like I don't get new stuff out of them. I don't think you ever grow out of like paying attention to Jesus's identity. Like there's always more to grab a hold of. It's always good wherever you're at in life to stop and think about who is Jesus. It's never gonna hurt you in a moment, whether it's a good moment easy moment, whether it's a hard moment, difficult suffering, looking at Jesus is a game changer. And having a verse in your heart is a good thing, right? It can help you. So if you got a cell phone or you got a pad of paper and a pen, like you can write these down and you can do like the Joey system. Like I'm going to memorize these verses, one of these passages each week, because I want to know Jesus. So you get to decide if you want to do that or not. What we're going to do today is I'm going to run you through these verses and I'm going to challenge you of like, do you really believe this about Jesus? And we're going to hit it pretty fast, okay? So stick with me. If you want to watch online later, you can look us back up if you want to listen to it or we have a podcast, you want to listen to it again. So John 6, 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Can everybody say that with me? Bread of life. He who follows me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So if you really believe that Jesus is the bread of life, that would mean that you trust that following him leads to satisfaction. A lot of us have chased after stuff this week, thinking like, I'm not full, I'm hungry for something, and whether it's something you're ashamed of or not, a lot of us have chased things that aren't following Jesus, like aren't doing something that Jesus did. And is Lance in the room still? I saw him earlier. Or did he have to step out? Lance had to step out. Linda, can you throw your hand up? So Linda is Lance's wife. If you're like, man, I want to follow Jesus and I don't know the next thing to do, Lance has been super burdened about the homeless in our community. And like he was pick, helping people a quick trip this morning. He was doing stuff yesterday. And there's a little more than Lance can handle if you can... Imagine that in independence, right? So if you're like, I want to help, I want to do something that Jesus wants me to do, follow Jesus in some way, like talk to Lance and come up with a way to be good to somebody in need today. If you're like, I'm not feeling full on the inside, then do something that Jesus would do. Like that's a piece of what this is saying, right? So I got more to say on that. Um, so we'll hit it really quick. The lie that some of us buy into is that God won't take care of you or God won't satisfy you, that you need to satisfy yourself with something else. 
And to hit it really fast, when I was training to be a foster parent, they talked to us about, like, you might get kids in your house that have been scared about not having enough food. And you will be able to tell right away because they will hide food throughout your house, whatever little nooks and crannies they can, they will grab food and hide it because they're scared that there's not going to be food there when they need it. But it creates all these weird dynamics within the home when someone's afraid, when a little kid's afraid of where their next meal is coming from. It makes it hard, actually, to bond with them, and it makes it hard to do anything else healthy until you get people confident that, like, they're going to have a meal, right? For some of us, God wants to love us and do all sorts of good things in our life, but we're just so not trusting that it's going to all work out in the next few hours, that our basic needs are going to be met. And so it's hard for God to give us all the loving things he wants to because we're just so hung up on, like, I got I to gotta sneak whatever I can and steal whatever I can and do it my way and hide my satisfactions because I don't trust that God's going to be what I need, Okay. But if you had deep in your heart, I trust Jesus is going to satisfy me. I trust doing the next right thing with Jesus is going to satisfy me. You'd be different, right? It would lead to a new life. John 8, 12, I got to keep us moving. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Can you say that with me? Light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus' life shows us, I mean, Jesus went through a lot of betrayal, a lot of unjust suffering, a lot of physical pain. Jesus didn't have a pillow. He was homeless. I mean, there's like all sorts of rough stuff that Jesus went through. So Jesus isn't saying your life's never going to be hard when he says you'll never have to walk in darkness. But the lie of the darkness is that evil bad things, despair, that that's what's ultimately real. That's the lie. We've all been tempted by that, right? You've been tempted either to just give up and say, like, just give in and just give up on life, or you've been tempted to say, like, good things are never going to really work out. So you settle for things and doing things that you would have been ashamed of in the past because you don't believe that anything's going to really turn out good anyways. That's where the lie gets us, right? But if you believe that Jesus is the light of the world, then even when you go through hard things, you're looking to Jesus. Just like if you're out in the woods and it's dark, but you have a flashlight, like you don't leave that flashlight off, right? Like you turn it on and you point it at what's right ahead. Imagine in your life, if you believe that Jesus is the light of the world, you would turn towards him and your whatever the struggle is next, right? You would think like the struggle with my kid or the struggle with my boss or the struggle with my finances. You would turn it towards Jesus and say, well, there's the light. What's the light have to say about this hard thing, right? John 10, nine through 11 has got two I am statements in it. First, Jesus says, I am the gate. Can you say it with me? The gate. Okay. I am the gate. He who enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. Can you say that with me? Good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The gate idea here is that we're going to actually line up with Jesus, take on whatever limit Jesus sets and go through him, both before we get out into activity in the world 
and before we get into rest, wherever you call home. So the lie in our world is like freedom is being able to do whatever your loudest desire, didn't say deepest desire, but whatever your loudest desire says in that moment. Like that's real freedom. And a lot of us like chase that, right? Like I want to be free. I want to have no constraints. I want to do from moment to moment whatever is the loudest thing inside of my brain. But if any of you have lived that lifestyle out for a little bit, you start to realize like that's not freedom. What if instead you accepted the limitations of passing through Jesus before you hit your active day? Or before you go home, you said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look to Jesus and pass through him as a gate. Like I'm gonna do this next thing with him, passing through him first. The good shepherd piece, do you trust that Jesus gives more than he takes? Some of us, we follow Jesus for a little bit, but it feels hard. And the lie that we've believed is that you can't really trust anybody to take care of you. And that's such a powerful lie because like I was talking about earlier, like none of us are perfectly trustworthy in this room. We've all been hurt deeply by somebody that we trusted. I don't know how you get to be even a kid old enough to walk in here and not probably have some sort of betrayal, right? Whether it was on the playground. But what, by, the time you're, by the time you're a little older and even some super small kids, you've been hurt by somebody you trust. But we internalize like at the end of the day, I gotta take care of myself. If you have that attitude, when you come to Jesus, there's not the trust that there should be. Jesus is gonna do more for you than you're gonna do for him. You're never gonna show up so much for Jesus that you outgive him or that you're like, oh, Jesus owes me because I, I really saved him on that one, right? Like that's, that's, that's never gonna be your story, right? It's always gonna be, I gave up so much for Jesus and he's been so much better to me than I deserved, right? You can trust him. Some of us as adults, we feel all this weight on our shoulders. Jesus wants to be your good shepherd, to be the one responsible for you thriving. And at times it's gonna be, he's gonna push you, but he's also gonna take care of you. Okay, these last ones we're gonna hit super fast. I'm not gonna get into all the questions, but 11, 25, and 26, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who lives and believes in me, or he who, he who believes in me will live even though he dies, and he who lives and believes in me. Do you believe this? This idea that real life is found in Jesus, that there's victory over death, but also the aim of life isn't just to avoid pain or avoid hell. The real thing we're after is connection with Jesus. That's what real life is. And if you're, if you're not right inside, it's that you need more life, right? Not giving up, it's that you need more of Jesus, right? 14.6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying either I'm right and I'm the only shot you've got and it's gonna be a journey or Jesus is wrong. Like there's no like, oh, there's a whole bunch of ways to work out your life. Like it's, you're going to work it out with Jesus or Jesus is wrong, right? We're going to leave that one to that. Verse 15, 5, chapter, or sorry, John 15, 5 is, 
Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The lie a lot of us get sucked into is, I love Jesus, I like Jesus, I wanna do the right thing, but today I got so many things I gotta get done or so much pressure and it's so time sensitive that I need to work on my problems. I don't have enough time for my relationship with Jesus. And if that's happening, you don't really trust John 15, 5. I'm not saying it as a condemnation. I'm describing our condition, right? Like Jesus says, you're going to accomplish nothing if you're not close to me. If you think about a river flowing, river never flows so much that like there's a whole bunch of it here and no source behind it, right? Like it's always connected behind it to a source. And if it gets really big, it's because there's a whole lot of water behind it. If it gets really small, it's because there's not a lot of water behind it. What if you poured out based on how much Jesus is behind you, right? Like if you're not able to get real close to Jesus, you start saying like, I gotta slow it down in my life. I gotta cut some stuff out so I can keep quality time with Jesus going. Maybe quality time, the other day, you know, quality time for me looked like saying these verses because it wasn't really a chance to get to a physical Bible as a dad and a husband and the way the morning was going. It was just a chance to say the verses I already knew. But that's what I could give to Jesus, right? Like he knows if you're a parent or you've got a hard boss or whatever, he knows where you're at. But you also know, like, are you really showing up as much as you can show up and saying, Jesus, I want to know you more today. Because if you will really show up and say, Jesus, I only got five minutes, but I really want to know you more. If that's true, if you really don't only have five minutes, like Jesus will meet you there. Right? Okay, we're going to hit this last slide and it's noon, so we're going we're gonna to wrap this up. We've got a group of people figuring out their next step, and they got this compass there with them. Some of us don't really understand the Holy Spirit, or some of us have some understanding of the Holy Spirit, but we've hyper-personalized it, right? Like the Holy Spirit talks in your heart about you or something. That, that is true. He convicts us individually. But Jesus wants to guide us as a group together somewhere. And you're going to go through some stuff this week, and you could say, like, how do I bring Jesus into this? Why not bring a couple other people to look at the map? But your compass, your, like, true north that points you to, like, who is Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And if this stuff isn't making sense to you, you can still pray, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know the next step. Help me through the Holy Spirit. You don't even have to fully understand if you will ask for help. I believe Jesus is going to show up through his Spirit. But don't limit it to just yourself and your bedroom. You can have a conversation with other Christians too, right? So I'm going to close this out in prayer. If you're like, wait, Jake, so what do I do with this passage? You look at one of these I am statements that stuck out to you, and you keep looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want to trust you more about this. Let's pray. Jesus, you are good. We ran through a ton of information. It's not important we remember everything from today. I pray we would live in response to you. Whatever you showed us today about yourself, help us to trust. Jesus, help us together to become your fullness. In your name we pray, amen.